Welcome to another episode of the Good Listening To Show, your life and times with me, Chris Grimes. The storytelling show that features The Clearing, where all good questions come to get asked and all good stories come to be told. And where all my guests have two things in common. They're all creative individuals and all with an interesting story to tell. There are some lovely storytelling metaphors. A clearing, a tree, a juicy storytelling exercise called 54321, some alchemy, some gold, a cheeky bit of Shakespeare and a cake. So it's all to play for. So yes, welcome to the Good Listening To Show, your life and times with me, Chris Grimes. Are you sitting comfortably? Then we shall begin. And there we have it. Welcome to a very special LinkedIn Live. Woohoo! All bells and whistles recording of the Good Listening To Show, Stories of Distinction and Genius, a show in which I invite movers, makers, shakers, mavericks, influencers, and also personal heroes into a clearing or serious happy place of their choosing to all share with us their stories of distinction and genius. And I'm absolutely thrilled and delighted to have Captain Clearing himself because of his great love of the outdoors. He's even got a t-shirt to match. Would you like to puff up your chest please gary outside yes this is gary pratt author of the creativity at factor and it's all about harnessing the power of the great outdoors gary you're extremely welcome to this a special good books series strand recording hello thank you very much chris my first linkedin live so yeah hopefully no editing required yeah no editing required i'll be gentle with you i've done this before this is all good <laughs> So how's morale? What's your story of the day, first of all? My story of the day? You didn't prompt me for that. It's spontaneous. That's the idea. I'm reading a very good book, uh, but this book is based on the fact, you know, it's one of those slightly time traveling where um, there's a portal you can go back to the same point in time all the time. And um, whatever you do there, you can change history and then go back to that point and it all resets itself if you do it again. So I haven't really got into the book, but I thought it was a really interesting premise and I guess uh, there's, there's probably times in our life we'd all like to go back and reset our our lives at perhaps uh, so I, I don't very, know what that would be. I haven't I haven't got to that what my what my reset date would be uh -oh. yes <laughs> and indeed it sounds like a bit of a variation on the theme of Groundhog Day by the sound of it yes yeah basically yeah same premise but um this one you know historical so yeah changing things in history so it's sort um, of quite Jules Verne as well about traveling in time yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's not, it's not, but the portal isn't now. The portal is a set time in the past. Yes. By the you way, you, your, your, your video yeah. seems to be snagging slightly. Is it snagging for you at this moment? It, it, it isn't snagging for me. So if your signal, I'm not sure if your signal no, is snagging no. or not. Because you're, you're pixelating beautifully. It looks, it's normally, it's normally okay. I'm, I'm not sure I can do anything about it. You're coming across, it's, it's a podcast first and foremost, so that's really important, so I can hear you fine. And by yeah. the way, we can, we, we can definitely edit this stuff out while we argue about whether or not your streaming service is working correctly, but you're looking great. So with the, um, I'd <laughs> It's like the to streaming service I've got, I'm afraid. You're very welcome to it as well. So uh, I have you to thank as well, because you've rescheduled today, and actually, um, because of all of your philosophy, when you rescheduled... Um, you actually gave me half my day back. And indeed, I thank you because I went outdoors. I went outdoors Brilliant. on my bike. My bike is my freedom. Uh, and I, I've learned that sort of idea of, you know, if in doubt, walk it out, the sort of Nietzsche philosophy. I've, I've learned partly from you, but also from our mutual friend, Dave Stewart. And I'm delighted yes. to say that he introduced me to you. Uh, and I'm really enjoying our association ever since. So um, do you want to just quickly tell us the story behind the story of the book first of all um so the creativity factor have, i hope you've got a copy to hand to show the screen as well Lovely. Factor. I'm, I'm sure you'll ask me where to get it later i'm very easy because there's only two gary pratt's on the internet i'm one and the other's a cricketer i wish i was the cricketer and but, you're both uh, spelling it with the double r double t because that's what's so lovely about the gary yes. Pratter. it's all, all <laughs> very clear it's a name i didn't particularly like as a child but now it's very useful being you know alone on the internet um yeah. And just before you get on to that, I love the fact you're inviting business leaders to ditch the board room. You'll yes. see what you did there. Walk the talk and spot the creativity and harness the power of the great outdoors. Yes. Yes. Well, so the story behind the book is probably like lots of books is personal. So, you know, I've had a very tinkery career. We're not talking about really about my career today, but, um, 
you know, if I wanted to find thinking space when I was running a business or, you know, I just knew that I went outside and we can go into where that came from for me. And I knew, you know, I think like lots of people, lots of people I interviewed from the book, everyone inherently knows if they want to clear their head, walking is a pretty good thing to do in going outside. Um, but a few things happened. One, um, and I talk about it in the book, um, I was another bit of my tinkery life in archaeology, which we might get to, but I was... Um, doing a master's in archaeology and um and I was starting to put myself out of my comfort zone by going and talking at um conferences and um absolutely terrifying you know from talking at big business conferences I, I don't mind that and then suddenly in front of peers talking about your own research is a terrifying thing and um serendipitous fortuitous I was talking in Edinburgh and my plane landed I got off the plane and it was basically gridlock and um normally I guess before a conference talk I do whatever most people do you know you go to a cafe with your notes and your laptop and you're just trying to get it in here yeah um and I was sitting sitting in a taxi and and I didn't have that opportunity but also I wasn't going to get there in time so I just got out and walked so I just walked to the conference center and you know in the film it'll just be seamless you know I just walked through the door picked up my lanyard walked onto stage and had to give my speech and it was almost that yes um, and it was by far the best presentation I've ever given. So this sort of made my mind go, well, I did, you know, I sort of, you, you get the sort of clearing your head, but it was, why did that happen? Um, so that just took me down those, you know, I'm a natural researcher, I think. So it took me down uh, the research rabbit holes of starting to read about walking for thinking and who's done research there and creativity and how it makes your mind. And, um, so that's one bit. So that was my intellectual interest. And then the other bit was I am a mountain leader. Yes. I was. And um, so I was already taking people on sort of just nice mountain walks and journeys. And I'd taken a group off to um, Morocco. Um, so we weren't doing work, really. We were just going for a nice walk. But also... You're doing a very exciting one in Mallorca next year, I'm hearing. Yes. And I'm, I'm very much wanting to reciprocate uh, and, and join you on yes. that too, actually. So one of these, I was out there with, a, uh, organised it actually for a friend's 50th and um, met a load of people I've never met before, his friends, you know. And so I also had that reflection of, oh, you get really deep connections with people when you do this, you know, new people. Not You, you wouldn't have got that on a stag weekend in a, in a bar in Swansea, <laughs> would you? Um, so uh, that's then when it came together and, and I started to, one, research the book and two, think about how you would actually you, you know build some methodology around it for business and put this to use but the simple answer chris is lockdown happened i pitched a book to a publisher and they said yes so i had to write it so yes <laughs> lovely and, and what's meant for you won't pass you by even the traffic jam and the fact that you thought right that's it i'm getting out and walking yeah. just wonderful carpe diem sliding doors moments yes. also in researching you as well I, I love the fact that one of your epiphanies in the research that you did was you realized that creativity is generated best through abstraction and distraction yes and the idea of being outdoors as a sort of side activity actually feeds the main activity yeah um, just to riff on this, you're in brilliant company because I recently had the um, author of Shakespeare, The Man Who Pays the Rent, who co-authored the book with Je Dame Judi Dench. Okay. As an actress, she too cannot just sit there with a script, I learnt. She yeah. has to do what actors call a side activity. You do anything but that. You displace yep. an abstract and that's how you then, your synapses begin to process what needs to be processed. Absolutely. That was, and that was one of the seminal papers for me when I started researching was one called Inspired by Distraction by an American academic called Benjamin Baird, which is, you know, actively tries to measure that, you know, he literally measured people's creative reasoning based on slobbing around, doing a, com <laughs> doing a complex mathematical task and doing a slightly distracting task and the slightly distracting outscored the others by 60% or something. Christ. So, and yeah, luckily walking, because I love it is actually a slightly distracting task. Your brain is perambulating, moving your body, you're navigating. So, you know, adjust the fact of walking at a sort of nice casual pace. And there's a whole bit in the book about the right tempo. 
And by the way, I love the word perambulation because one, it's similarly exactly like that. When I'm teaching comedy improvisation in a place in France, we walk outside to do a Jane Austen-esque perambulation as yeah. we get into the idea of bantering one word at a time each. So it is that yeah. walking towards that's so helpful. It is. It's walking towards. And, it's, and yeah, I often say when I take things out, you know, it's, we're not, we might go up to mountain peaks if you want to, but it's not peak bagging. It's not how quickly you can do it. That's, that's not, it's not a, it's not a sort of rah, rah, macho hike. You yes. know, it's, we're just traveling through nature, but that, that traveling just by a quirk of evolution basically puts your mind into this same Judy Dench default, you know, default yes. distracted state. Yeah. And our, our good friend Dave Stewart says perambulating at the speed of blether, which I quite like. Yes. That's quite yeah, a exactly. thing. Yeah. Perfect. Yes. <laughs> so we can both take that from Dave Stewart. Thank you. <laughs> so yes, it's my great joy to and privilege to curate you through and we're going to talk about your book again implicitly when we get into a particular inner sanctum within the clearing. But yes. it's my privilege to bring you into the clearing where we're going to arrive with a tree, I'm going to shake your tree, there's going to be a juicy storytelling exercise called 54321. Then there's going to be some alchemy, some gold, a couple of random squirrels, a cheeky bit of Shakespeare, a golden baton and a cake. Fantastic. What a journey. So, it's all to play for and we'll enjoy the squirrels because they're very most often found outdoors unless they're of course in the zoo lovely so let's get you on the open road gary pratt seasoned entrepreneur i think you'll find you are author strategist and mountain leader um where is what is a clearing for you where is your serious happy place where do you go to get clutter free inspirational and able to think yeah i found this uh, yeah it's easy in one sense hard. Oh, it's gonna be outdoors isn't it you know and it's clearing the woods so you know, I have a corner of my garden, which is, you know, rusty old bench under some bushes, which is definitely one of my clearings. Um, I like a mountain path with a view, not a mountain top. I you know, quite like the journey, you know, halfway up the mountain, with a nice view. But in your clearing scenario, and because I've been there a lot, I'd have to go for a little wooded clearing in near a Moroccan river where, you know, my, my muleteers and cooked have laid out the my rugs and and pillows to have some nice lunch and mint tea. You know, it'd have, have to be that. Oh, I love the sensey vocation of all of that. Muleteers, did you say? Yes. And peppermint tea. Yes. And Morocco. We're getting Moroccan sort of herb. Well, just the air in Morocco. Fantastic. Yes. Also, I love the fact, couldn't help hearing, it's halfway up the mountain. Um, have you, um, according to, you know, Gabriel Marquez Lorquez, who wrote 100 Years of Solitude. Do you remember yes. this story where when he died of pancreatic cancer, he left the world a final statement. Okay. And he said, I'm going to tell you two things, what I've noticed and what I've learned. And what he says was, what I've noticed that everybody wants to live atop the mountain. Mm. But what I've learned is that life is not the top of the mountain. It's the journey towards the summit. Ah, I love that. Yes. I often use... I've been tempted with some groups to not let them go to the mountaintop just to see how it affects people. <laughs> <laughs> Almost get that. I haven't quite done it, but um, but I often use the, you know, because I'm doing work in mountains, you know, with businesses and teams, there's a sort of relation that, you know, so many business metaphors are how to get to the top of the mountain. And, and you know, I, my sort of take is, well, if you haven't got what you need to get to the top of the mountain now, you're stuffed, yeah? Yeah, you, know, you haven't got your lunch in your backpack and your the right clothes. You're never going to get there. So you you more want to think about what's waiting for you in the valley the other side. You yes. know, when you come come back down. Yes. You know, so the you know, there's loves of che loves of cheesy metaphor in the mountains. No, but they they just keep on giving, don't they? It's sort of this wonderful sort of sumptuous topographical series of metaphors. Yes. Lovely. So uh, we're in Morocco. Then has it got a sort of pinpoint in the sort of one two three pinpoint in the map? Um, I'm trying to remember what the name of that app is, where they give you the um, GPR. What, what three words? Yeah, so Ooh. you don't have to give me the one three words coordinates, but whereabouts yeah. in Morocco are we? Uh, well, we always trek out of a place called Imlil, um, which is in the mountains. Luckily, Imlil, you say? Imlil, yes. So it'll be a it'll be a sort of half day trek out of Imlil somewhere towards Mount Tubkal in a nice valley. But um, yeah, luckily Imlil, we or weirdly probably was one, you know, although it's in the heart of the Atlas Mountains, about 40 miles away from the earthquake, the terrible earthquake, was actually not particularly affected for some reason. Some some geology has saved saved Imlil from the you know horrors of the the um, earthquake, which is nice to well, think as of. As you're a geologist, you can that. do your own research, can't you, I imagine? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, so, somewhere there. So in the Atlas Mountains. 
So if I may, and there you are with your peppermint tea, we've allowed you that as well. I'm going to arrive with a tree now to shake your tree to see which storytelling apples fall out. I've got a comedy apple prop in here somewhere. Russell, Russell, Russell. Here it is. It's only so I can say, how do you like the, these apples? <laughs> so um, this is now your answer to a, a construct called 54321. We've had five minutes, uh, Gary Pratt, uh, author, to have thought about four things that have shaped you, three okay. things that inspire you, two things that never fail to grab your attention. That'll be where the squirrels come in and then a quirky or unusual fact about you. So you don't okay. have to shake it all in a wanna. I'll curate you through it uh, gently. So first of all, four things that have shaped you, Gary Pratt. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, so my you know, everyone's shaped by their childhood, but let's pick one bit of it. Um, the only holidays I ever had were camping in England. Um, so that's probably pretty much shaped me, you know, and, and my parents were the type of campers that didn't take chairs and, you know, wouldn't go to a busy beachside campsite. It would be a field in mid Wales. Um, so, yeah, those classic days exploring random parts of the country and making dens and hitting things with sticks. Yeah, that's definitely shaped me. Hasn't, you know, definitely hasn't put me off camping. But, um, yeah, just spending my childhood exploring the outdoors and fiddling around in it, I think, is probably a major thing that shaped me. Made you sort of an, an eternal Boy Scout, metaphorically. Yes, exactly. Um, the other different... Oh, sorry, I tried to pick a set of different things, Chris, and um, I studied archaeology. Archaeology has definitely shaped me in lots of ways. Um, I actually talk about it in the book. I've written, I think I've written the first business book with a, almost half a chapter on archaeology. So, you know, that's something... <laughs> Um, <laughs> um, and I think how archaeology shaped me is that well, I love it anyway and it was uh, we'll come on to some other bits about that later maybe but um, I, I, in the book I talk about it being the only um, five dimensional subject um, and um, that's about digging you, know, you dig in three dimensions literally you know, up, down, left, right um, you're digging through time and the um so your fourth dimension and the only tool you've got to pull that all together is telling stories is your imagination because there's no right or wrong in archaeology so you know that's definitely being i say in the book that you know my archaeology history is is you know it's prepared me well for the world of entrepreneurship and the boardroom which you know i'm not sure many people have thought about saying before <laughs> yeah no a unique slant on that i love that <laughs> Uh, more more personally, if you want to go on. So um, I met my wife at school. We're school, school uh, sweethearts. So, you know, my wife's been there the whole time, Siobhan, and um, we set businesses up together and we're still married. So Siobhan <laughs> helped shape me. Spent most of my life with Siobhan. And how long um, has that been since you met at school and how long have you been together now then? So we met when we were 17 and I'm now 54. So we'll let the yeah. listeners on LinkedIn do the math. Do the math. <laughs> So that's absolutely shaped me. We've had adventures and businesses together and kids together and everything else of life. So, you know, that's got to shape you well. You um, did say we've had adventures, not we've had dentures then, didn't you? Yeah, not dentures <laughs> yet, no. Um, I, um, this has definitely shaped me, but it's, you know, it's going it's to bring the tone down. Um, so I, um, I saved someone's life. I had to perform CPR for 40 minutes in the country lane. Uh, when I was 19, um, and that person was my father. Um, so that shaped me. Um, and, you know, the trauma, but also the, you know, maybe worldview and, and life view post that moment. Do you want to say a <laughs> bit more about that, about what happened that day? Yeah, we were just driving along, and my mum was driving. Um, my dad uh, yeah, had a heart attack. It's, you know, it's hard to know exactly you know, what steps, the classic, you know, wobbly falling over in the car as of such. So, um, yeah, we provide, we, me and my brother did CPR and heart massage and we were in the middle of country lanes in Somerset. So my mum ran across to the, um, a house or I think it was actually a garage across the road. We called an ambulance, but, you know, it took 40 minutes to come. Um, so we just kept going, you know, broke my father's sternum and, um, <laughs> I didn't, was my brother doing that bit, um, or ribs. And um, yeah, I thought it shaped lots of things, I guess. One, it shaped me. And what I say, the, the simple thing I say to people is, you know, I've had first aid training now and all of that. 
But I guess it was that time when you watched sort of American, you know, really rubbish American sort of cop movies or things. And, you know, you know, there'd be CPR for three seconds and then they'd go like this and go, you know, oh, no, it's too late. They're dead. You know, um, <laughs> um, a long, journey, long journey from them to having a heart transplant and actually surviving. And yeah. is he still with us? He's not, unfortunately, but he, he had another 19 years. Fantastic. So, um, yeah, but it definitely and it definitely affected my outlook on life, which which immediately, to be honest, was was a sort of, you know, a normal teenage descent into, you know, a little too much druggish and alcohol abuse, you know, <laughs> to hide it away. But in the longer term, um, yeah. Yes, it's sort of an awakening through tra- through um, crisis by the sound of it. Yes, yes. yes. Absolutely. So, so there's, 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 there's a set of things which have shaped me or some things, I think. Yes. No, lovely answer. Um, now, three things that inspire you. Yes. Again, some were sort of obvious. I try, I tried to think what nature and the outdoors, but it seems a bit, everyone likes a bit of you know, natural awe, don't they? But I think the thing, the bit about that that really inspires me is stories of exploration as explorers. Yeah, whatever any kind. I don't mind if those are people climbing mountains or going to the North Pole or, you know, archaeological explorers in the past of the 19th century cutting through jungles. You know, definitely that sense of finding new places. And there's a great book by um, a woman called Belinda Kirk who runs a thing called Explorers Connect. And uh, where, you know, fantastic to look at, even if you're just voyeuristic, because, you know, it's the place where people post, you know, two people wanted to, you know, you know, sail a, a plastic tub across the Atlantic or something. <laughs> You're going, I'm in. <laughs> and, and I'm in. Um, but Belinda's book's brilliant because she 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 talks about amazing adventures that she's had. But she comes to this point that, you know, adventure is a state of mind. You know, and exploration is a state of mind. That the minute you sort of put your backpack on or get on the train or a plane, you're you're in that state of exploration if you're going somewhere new. So definitely exploration. Did that inform your harnessing the power of the great outdoors in what you write about? Because I love how you've chosen the language like board, boardroom, but harness yes. obviously is something for the outdoors in mountaineering. So harnessing the power, I wondered if it's that yeah. sort of. I think you're thinking, thinking too deep about the way I go, the, the way I write. <laughs> Sorry about that. I'm, take, I'm taking it now. It's yes. all, all, des- all by design. <laughs> <laughs> all by happy accident. All good. Yes. As indeed life is a happy accident. Absolutely. Um, so sorry. So that's one. Yeah. Um, um, Are you still connected? The, the, name the person again that that uh, uh, Belinda Belinda Kirk. Is she still out there doing what you do? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. her book's called The Adventure Revolution. Um, so a fantastic book. Um, great to have on your show, maybe. Um, I'm yeah, it fits with the book, doesn't it? That I'm I'm just always inspired by. I've been lucky enough to have jobs where I meet lots of people. I worked at the University of Bath in entrepreneurship and in some big sort of meeting hundreds of founders. And, you know, and when I say I like people who think differently and are creative, I just love, I'm always inspired by people who've just thought of mad things and starting to do them. So it's not necessarily people who've had mass, it's not the success end of it. It's that first bit of, oh, my God, how did you come up with that? So I'm always inspired by those conversations. And luckily, work I do know, I get to meet quite a few people in those. Quite often I say, I don't understand what you're doing. It's, you know, it's in AI, but you can understand why or what they want to do with it or something. Yes. So rather than thinking, good luck with that, you actually get inquisitive and curious about it. Always, yeah. I love that yeah. sort of digging into those people's ideas. And I guess the last one is my, my wife was an English teacher. And not that that's the answer, but I'm... Um, it's a crass answer isn't it it's just reading and um anything i don't know about it but i i've always got a non-fiction fiction magazines and there's uh, i interviewed someone for a book who founded a um a big data platform in the states but it doesn't really matter what their business is but they their, their formative years were working at um well, academic years were at cambridge under francis crick and they tell a story about how they um, went into um crick of you know dna and blah 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 um went into his office and found him sitting in his sort of chair just surrounded by magazines and you know, not all science magazines you know home magazines you know the sunday is everything and um so i said asked him i said oh what, what are you what are you looking for and he said i don't know yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> just in a sort of uh, yes a debauchery of curiosity <laughs> yes exactly so yeah and hopefully i'm channeling a bit of that but yeah yes yeah, reading is always an inspiration in your background by the way i love the fact you've got a space hopper which is a real 70s iconic mode of travel but, uh, <laughs> what's the story of your space hopper it's been in our life so long i don't really know i don't <laughs> think there is much of a story apart from it's just a fixture it goes with the lava lamp above which i haven't put on you know, very 70s very icon uh, a lava lamp which is, yes i'd so, like to think i i'd to think i could live a minimal life but i'm a bit of a hoarder so yes don't <laughs> let the space hopper go we like it that's all good uh, so now we're on to uh, the squirrels what two things what squirrels borrow from the film up that's when the dog goes oh squirrels what never fails to um distract you your monsters of distraction gary okay ruins number one yeah there's an archaeologist in me if there's a pile of rocks in a field they say you know three stones make a wall i'm not talking about a temple you know i i, I fiddle <laughs> if someone's plowed a, if someone's plowed a field i have to walk down along the plow bit looking down for pottery shards or ah so could, are you a sort of lay detectorist then <laughs> i don't have a metal detector but i'm only using my eyes but you know or, or obviously yes if there's a something more substantial I, I have to go and investigate it i can't can't walk by a bit of a ruin um so yeah that's um that's one i love the idea that when you see a plowed field you've got to walk along the furrows that's great yes yeah looking for man-made items yeah yeah the sort of old, classic classic field walking old-fashioned technique of archaeology yeah and and, do, and i love um, the fact you said three bricks did you say three bricks don't make a temple or you or maybe they could no three it's an archaeological phrase three stones make a wall ah okay so it yeah so well, they're talking about dress stones, you know. So if you find a nicely dressed stone, one means nothing, two doesn't mean a lot, three all nicely dressed and still together probably means something. Yeah, ah, sort of using the rule of three to find a clue to, yeah. to history. And funnily enough, I have a whole methodology in my book called Three Stones Make a Wall. Yeah, where we use we use rocks in nature to make our own walls. In the yeah, your book is suffused with wonderful suggestions of exercises and, and just wonderful curiosity to keep people curious. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, by um, the way, this, this might, well, oh. I, this, can I, I, I've got a guest for you. Okay. Uh, this could be the moment because of the exercise that they're in your book. I'm just going to share the screen and show you something. Uh, hopefully he'll, you'll all start to look at this on screen, but I just want to play you this extract. Are you looking at Dave Stewart? Yeah, yeah. Uh, just hear this, people. I've got a special guest for Gary. Hi, Gary. It's, uh, it's Dave Stewart here. Just uh, popping in to say um, hello and much respect. Um, you wrote the book that I would have written if I could have been bothered about it. Uh, so I'm very grateful that you've captured the sort of work that you, you and I do uh, for our clients. And one of the things that I really enjoyed about your book, which I've already shared with you, is that you are not doing nature to people. You, are, you use the word outdoors. Uh, because certainly from our perspective, it's all about the, the, the business outcomes for our, our, our clients. Um, there are other fantastic providers that deal with nature as, as the, main, the main sort of participant. But for us, it's really using the outdoors as a creative sandpit to help people sort of uh, shift the, the, the thinking, which is really, I think, what I've got from your book. So thank you very much indeed for capturing that and much strength to you, sir. Thank you, Dave Stewart. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Dave. Yes. And the other happy coincidence, I was I had this cunning plan and this idea, which I've never done before. And Dave wasn't available. But when you rearranged everything, he was strangely available. And so everything fell into place. So yeah. Things are meant to be a bit like the day your car was stuck in traffic and you got out and then had a, <laughs> an epiphany of this is my life, which is fantastic. Um, yes. So um, I think uh, we've got another squirrel to come now. We've got the. Oh, uh, yeah. This, this, this one, this one's easy and, and quite timely, weirdly. Um, it's a Caramac bar. Um, <laughs> I, can't, I, can't, I can't walk past the Caramac bar and now they're discontinuing it. I was yes, reminded. That's very recent, isn't it? Yes. So I, I was I was last weekend. I met up with a childhood friend who was we're still friends, you know, but I've known him since childhood. And he delivered me two Caramac bars as a. As a <laughs> As, as, a, as a gift has arrived to, to say it's the last ones you're going to have but um and maybe not just caramac I'm, i've got a sweet tooth and i ate a lot as a, a boy in a country village so you know old-fashioned 70 sweets if there's a caramac bar on the counter to your point of will always get my attention and my money yes 
Yeah. <laughs> and are you on a mission quest to sort of hunt down the last remaining Caramax of the land? I, there, you must still be an opportunity to get a sort of cash and carry boxes, mustn't there? And get, and um, I, I suspect a Caramax bar will last many years. Yes, it's, or it'll get a, a campaign to bring it back because where the yeah. flooping heck has it gone? Because people like you and me are missing it. Another 70s iconic thing. I love that. It's in the same sort of ballpark as Fry's Turkish Delight and stuff like that. I'm going to put another live song because I'm feeling like I'm beginning to look like Dracula here. That's probably more Dracula. It's even more scary now. But it sort me lighting out. So uh, now we're on to one quirky or unusual fact about you. The one is a quirky or unusual fact about you, Gary. We couldn't possibly know about you until you tell us. Okay. Well, again, I had I, 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 I didn't struggle with this. It was which, which one thing to go. I've probably got a few quirky things. The one I went with is um, because sort of related. So I am probably one of the world experts on the sailing networks and technology of the Bronze Age Southern Aegean. So um, I am waiting for that call from Radio 4 when they need the one expert to talk about sailing in the sea of crete and the winds and the and the tides and um i i'm your man now i'm not a sailor i don't really like boats <laughs> but um through my archaeological work i did write a dissertation on this very fact and modeled all the sailing routes that the bronze age ships would have taken across the southern aegean basically minoan expansion into the aegean so there you go and i'm just trying to work out the scenario where we must get gary pratt in to talk about that because i'd, I'd like to create <laughs> that <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, my great migrant crisis. Maybe they're on, you know, little old sailing boats. Where are they going to end up if they leave yes. from? If they leave from Heraklion, and in, in where, where are they going to end up? You know, yes. I, could, I could probably pull out my models and tell them. Ah, I like that with models can travel with models. I like that. Yeah. That's a great. That's a, the best curious fact, and that's a great niche to specialize in. Yes. We all need. To be I, I like a bit. I like a bit of niche. Yeah. Inch wide and mile deep. You're, and what's the topic again? Just to sort of name the topic, call you in if you want to know about. Um, bron well, let's say Bronze Age. Well, let's say Minoan sailing technology and routes. Boom! I, I'll, I'll when it comes to phone a friend when I'm next on. Who wants to be a millionaire? <laughs> That's going to be the winner. Wonderful. So we've shaken your tree. Hurrah! Now we uh, stay in the clearing, move away from the tree. Next, we talk about alchemy and gold. So when you're at purpose and in flow, Gary, what are you absolutely happiest doing in what you're here to reveal to the world? Well, I think it has to be walking and talking. You know, that's what I do and where I've ended up and through all this journey. That's my my happy place where I'm in flow is just, you know, walking that mountain path up to up a hillside with someone interesting to talk to or interesting people. That's my absolute happy flow. Um, I do get, you know, I, I'd never written a book before. So you know, I quite, I would say I was a bit in flow state in researching and writing a book. Um, I'm very much in flow making a camp, you know, making camp, building a fire, cooking something on the fire is a good flow state. But I think, you know, for the purpose of this, the sort of related, definitely, yeah, where I can lose hours is, you know, yes. walking with you up a hillside. <laughs> Bless you. You've made me think of the expression improvised bivouac now. Thank you very much. <laughs> There's only one way to say improvised bivouac. But that was it. Uh, great. So um, now this is the moment when we can put your book on a metaphorical mm. plinth in the clearing. So um, tell us anything else you'd like about the book. And then my invitation to you is to read an extract from the book of your choice, if you like. Yes. So... What's my call? So it, we talked a bit about this sort of where the book came from, its incubation. And, you know, I think I'm not alone in finding this place where, you know, I think some magic happens. And, yeah, there's loads of, you know, normally when I talk of this, people quite get into the science and they want to know all the proof from the science, which is very businessy, isn't it? Does, it, does this work? What am I going to have? And there's plenty of it in there. You know, there's a whole strand of neuroscience. We talked on a bit about why your brain gets into this state in the outdoors a fantastic Irish academic called Shane O'Mara who's got a book called In Praise of Walking which is all around the what happens in here um but I think my real call and the, the reason I wrote the book is because you know most of my working career has been in that boardroom in that you know trying to make the magic happen in a brainstorming session in the Watford Hilton and um <laughs> so I, 
think what my real call for the book, and the out, hope, hopefully outdoors is one bit. That's my answer, yeah? And I really hope people can appreciate that's a place to do work. You know, this isn't bunking off. You know, it's deep work you can do out there. And so that's a bit of it, that accepting work doesn't have to take place in your desk. But I, I think where I'm getting to, the more I've talked to people about the book and the more I do work with people outside in the book is it's twofold. One is, you know, I think, again, we know this, it's trying to be a bit of the journey that our work practices and workplaces are just a bit broken. They're not, they're not well designed for us as humans. That doesn't mean... You know, I'm never calling someone to never sit at their computer. Look at me, I'm sat in my office at my computer and I have to do work, I have to do Zooms. But, you know, that's, you know, saying we've got to be sitting here eight, nine hours a day and that's productivity, I think, is my main call. But, yes. you know, we're humans and we don't operate well here. This is a, this is a tool of doing something, not the tool of thinking. Yeah, you know, that's the differentiation. But thinking is work. And you've got to find ways to develop, get those ideas and develop them. Brainstorming, again, a whole section, it's not my work. Brainstorming just does not work. It's, it's been known for 20 years and people still do it. And it's actually counterintuitive. So you've got to find new ways to you know, be individually creative. But more importantly, for workplace, I think, is that collective creativity. And as you've experienced... You know, outdoors is a place where different connections happen and people have different conversations. So, you know, there's a collision of worlds here, I think, is, you know, you have to be, you know, you want to be creative and have ideas and thr- put them through the thrashing, thrashing mill to see what's good for you, your business. You want to decelerate and reset away from this digital shit and you want your colleagues and staff to, you know, be more connected and collective and and we've got a place to do it. It's just out that window. Yeah. (laughs) So my book really is just hopefully, you know, a sort of a ticket to allow people to explore that. And I mean, when I mean people, I mean businesses. So, oh, we were allowed to do this, which is quite often I get thanked for people, you know, allowing them to put their phones in a box at the beginning of the day and spend a day away. And I say, you know, you can do that whenever you like. (laughs) And that really is a lesson to us all because I'm I'm as addicted to my phone as most other people are actually, and yeah. I look forward and, and, to putting my phone in a box. Actually, yeah, it, I know it'll be good for me. And don't get me wrong, you know, I love just going. I go on walking holidays and things which have nothing to do with work. So it's, I'm yeah. not trying to say, you know, it's not. There's still the loveliness of your bike ride and your, and you might get some benefit from it, but they, you can actually make it work for you, and that's the bit of methodology, yeah. hopefully, that I've I've put around it. And just reincorporating the fact that creativity, as you define it, is generated best through abstraction and distraction. I just wanted to reincorporate that because I thought that's worth saying. Yeah. And I think, you know, uh, it's come up more and more as I've worked with teams and companies as well, is that this, I think that is a myth of work-life balance. You know, our structures are built around this sort of hard lines of leaving the office and and we all know it doesn't actually happen because it's all life, yeah? Um, so it <laughs> yes. should be the other way around. You know, we should be designing work and workplaces that fit with us as humans and life. And I know that's a big call, um, but I think... It resonates with the idea that people were lamenting after the pandemic that they realised that their commute was their thinking time because suddenly yeah. work and home collided and they no longer had the, what sounds, I mean, it, agonising commute sometimes of several hours, but they were using that as their their you know travel towards ironically absolutely so so yeah that's that sort of isn't maybe where i started with the book but having used written it done lots of this spoken to people and seen people use it either with me um i've had some teams now or companies that have gone out and done it on their own which i love and there's a fantastic one I actually made a lovely video which is you know, somewhere on my linkedin channel of them using all my techniques i didn't i, I didn't know them i wasn't facilitating them which is lovely yeah um, so yeah and well i shouldn't use the word bunking off but i you know i, I you do use it in some of my speeches that you know bunking off might just be the deepest work you ever do you know but it's like it's the sort of freedom of of allowing yourself to leave your desk and you're still working you might not be typing yes yes absolutely so did you want to read an extract from it oh yes sorry um well i can 
what have we talked about? I, I picked a sort of introduction. We've done the introduction bit. We've done Edinburgh and taxis. Um, what would you like? Would you like something which sums up what I think, or would you like a, a story about someone else using outdoor walking? Or one of your favourite exercises within it that you are... That, I know there are loads to choose from, but, but maybe... Okay. Yeah. That's just my idea. You do whatever you'd most like to do. Oh, look. Now you've confused me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. Which is again... Um, I'm going to use natural storytelling. So it's a pretty simple one and short, and that's the... That's why one of the reasons, but also because it's actually one of the ones for feedback that people like the most. Um, so here we go. So much of an entrepreneur's time is spent telling stories to investors, to new hires, to customers, to partners, to wives, husbands, parents, partners, friends, and random people they meet in trains or planes. The elevator pitch is a story. The pitch deck is a story. The new product pitch is a story. The meeting with the bank manager is a story. The sales presentation is a story. Innovation has a narrative and is a story. And entrepreneurs can write these, tell them, or get help doing this, but there is always benefit in exploring new ways to tell them. Staring for more hours at PowerPoint slides is rarely creative, as we've seen throughout this book. So it's no surprise that walking in nature has been an inspiration to so many writers to find their stories. A quick fire way through outside thinking to explore ways of telling stories is through the use of found items. Step one, for a portion of your walk, Look for, find, and pick up items you find interesting or ask your participants to. A stick, a leaf, some moss, a plant, a flower, a lost item. Don't overthink it. Just gaze while you walk and pick up whatever takes your fancy. Step two, at a good stopping point, ideally somewhere open with some space to gather, get, your, get into some type of teams. Step three, ask each team to discuss, prepare, and deliver a story using the objects. Give them 10 minutes to prepare before presenting to the rest of the team. The story can be about anything, but works really well if it's about their team, telling us about recent achievements, for example, a strategy, a customer journey, or a recent problem or setback. It's a fantastic exercise to capture on video and go back to at a later time. Now, this is the one I get almost most feedback and the one where you get the funniest videos. Uh, yes. <laughs> especially with teams that know each other well or... Um, yeah, people. it's a license for people to be a bit silly, which is always good. And what's really implicit there is the deepening of trust that is just by default uh, one of the outputs or throughputs of that lovely yeah. exercise. And it's, you know, they're looking at, a, you know, some of them get, you know, think, oh, I only got this leaf. And they've all, they always find something interesting to talk about it. And it's just sort of to Dave's point as well that, you know, it's, I, I'm using nature. It's not about, you're not necessarily trying to, you know, unpick what that leaf is doing as a metaphorical thing. Sometimes it is. It's, it's yes. just it's just a prop, yeah? Yes. Yeah, I'm sure in your work, you, you know, you can probably give people any three props and tell them to come up with something. And That's part of my job. <laughs> 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 so, wonderful. We're now at the point where I'm going to award you with a cake, uh, Gary mm. Pratt. So, first of all, do you like cake? I'm quite particular, Chris. Ooh, okay, so what, what are we having? As a, unfortunately, it's not a real cake; it's a metaphorical one. I know. What do you want? And I'll try and deliver you the proper one later. Well, I've got two answers. So the only cake I really like is carrot cake. Um, but my caveat, and because we're talking about the book and the outdoors, is the best cake is the one that's squashed in a bit of cling film in the bottom of your rucksack and, and comes, <laughs> out, comes out at three afternoon on a rainy day with a someone's happens to have a flask. So then I don't care what cake I have. That's a lovely, lovely answer. So I'll give you the squash and the carrot cake. So we can even squish a <laughs> carrot cake into some cling film for Perfect. you. Okay, so now this is the final uh, storytelling suffused metaphor. Uh, what's, um, the, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? So I've got an anti bit of advice, which helped form me going right. It sort of goes right back to my shaped me thing, which was, uh, you know, I went to a pretty standard you know country comprehensive and no you know no one for example no one you know banking wasn't a thing until I went to university it was not that I ever wanted to be a banker you know that was just working in the local bank and I remember uh, I think it was when I was I was toying with doing archaeology and you know I'm sort of academic -y, so I did well at subjects and I should have should have been doing something serious you know and I remember a careers guidance basically 
telling them, saying, be realistic. People can't do whatever you, people can't do whatever they like, you know. And it was this empty <laughs> pool of a baby go, well, I can. So I'm going <laughs> to, and, and I'm not saying I've done whatever I liked in my life, you know, there's realities, but, you know, it, it did stick with me. And I think, you know, that plays into that story of my father and CPR that, you know, you don't leave things till later. So those sort of two together are, are you know, quite powerful okay. for me. Um, just get on and do things. And yeah, you can, you, well, to some degree, you can do what you like. Let's, you know, there's park morals and legality, but, you know. <laughs> There's something really profound about, you know, that adage, uh, your criticism of me is a reflection of you. Your yeah. careers officer was probably transmitting from his own self-limiting beliefs in that. Yeah, and I think partly he was, you know, if he'd said it a different way, it may have been he sort of thought I was... It was well-intended. Not making the most of my opportunities academically, you know. Yes. <laughs> you had a different plan, a cunning plan yeah. B. Um, what's a favourite inspirational quote that's always given you sucker and pulled you towards your future? Oh, well, I thought... Uh, Again, I found this easy, actually. I don't, I'm not really big into... I've got no quotes on my walls, you know. <laughs> and I'm not sure I'd allow any business I had to have quotes on their walls, really. But um, there's lots of quotes in the book to do with walking, which I find this right. But the, the one um, I thought would be best for you and has been important to me is um, from um, Vic Reeves and Bob Mortimer, where... Um, and I can't even remember the context, but it's a little bit where they go to each other. Bob goes, it doesn't really matter. And it just descends into this thing going, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not very good at it. You know, you're the actor. But um, um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's a good reflection I've taken to that most things in life don't really matter. Business doesn't okay. really matter. You know, money doesn't really matter. It's not much, there's not much in life that falls under the this really matters banner. Yes. So, you know, it's helped me go into important business meetings in, you know, where you should be, I don't know, in or scared or you're asking for money or and a little bit of me goes doesn't matter doesn't matter if they don't like me Wonderful. you know <laughs> it does i love that um and now what notes help or advice might you proffer to a younger version of gary pratt oh i don't think you prepared me for that one either um i can I say I don't I don't want to meet and give any advice to my younger self? Is that a valid? Yes, that's answer? a great answer. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's a story behind the story there. So in other words, we're at peace with where we are. We don't want to look back. Yeah, I just think I wouldn't want I wouldn't want to be the 17-year-old with me turning up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you want to find your own part of this place. Yeah. Yes, it's my walk. I'll go where I like. I love yeah. that. <laughs> Very good. There's a lovely freedom in that. Okay, so we're ramping up to Shakespeare in a moment to talk about legacy. But just before we get there, this is the pass the golden baton moment, please. So who might you like to pass the golden baton along to keep the golden thread of the storytelling going in your network that would most enjoy, benefit, or just like being given a damn good listening to in this way? Well, I don't know this person that well, but I have met them re you know, relatively recently this year and, and, and had some things on there. She's a woman called Alina Tabool. Um, so... Um, uh, a man called uh, a guy called Lee Mears wrote the the um, preface to my book, and some people out there depends on their interests may know of Lee. He's an ex England rugby player and British Lion, and um, got some fantastic stories about um, mountain as well. So it's how we got to sort of know him in terms of mount, you know, going on mountain walks and finding out halfway up Everest that he had a heart condition he didn't know about. But anyway, a different story. He'd be a good one. But his business partner in, and this is the coaching side, is with a woman called Alina Tabool. But why I've, why I've picked Alina is, she's also you know, involved in some really interesting startups. She is starting to investigate psychedelic leadership, which I think is a really interesting area. But mainly because she's got, to my thing, why I'm here as well. She's got a new book coming out, which is sort of a business book, but it's aimed at young people. So aimed at the leaders of the future and you know hoping to set people off early on their careers with some purpose and vision um it's called um what's it called it's called upgrade and it's coming out soon so i think alina with that whole mix of stuff will be you know fantastic guess. thank you and and psychedelic leadership that's an interesting uh, proposition mm. 
the comedian yeah. in me is thinking that sort of leadership off their chunks on drugs. You know? Yes. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes. it is microdosing to, you know, free your mind and, yeah. Ah, love yeah. that. Wonderful. Yeah. And she's the author to be of that too, or that's another thing in the mix of her connection. Is she well, her, her book for young leaders is coming out soon called Upgrade. About, psych about yeah. psychedelic leadership. No, two separate things. She's exploring, as, as a coach and a, she's exploring the world of science, which I think is just interesting. But the main reason is I think, you know, business books aren't written for young people. It, it's all about listing and I obviously stopped to listen at that point. Thank you very much. Here we are now at the Complete Works of Shakespeare. So now this is borrowed from all the worlds of stage and all the murdered women merely players to talk about the seven ages of man. We're going to talk about legacy finally. So how, when all is said and done, Gary Pratt, would you most like to be remembered? Um, well, you, maybe you get this from everything I've said, but uh, to be honest, I couldn't really give a, a shit bar being a loving, present dad, husband and friend, you know, I don't really care about that stuff. That's, you know, a lovely that's, that's lovely. And um, where can we find out now, crucially, all about you and specifically where can we go and find the creativity factor? So, so published by Bloomsbury, you can get it at their website. Um, you can get it on all, all digital bookshops and quite a few physical bookshops. Um, uh, myth, um, toppings in Bath probably still have the only signed copies still available uh, from my book launch. Um, there's an audio book uh, narrated by a fantastic guy called Nathaniel Priestley and Kindle as well and all those. So you can find that everywhere. My name, I say, is a good Google name because you will find my website. You will find my LinkedIn. You'll find other podcasts. Um, so you can, yeah, shouldn't be difficult to find, I don't think. Lovely. So just search for Gary Pratt on the old interweb with two R's and two T's and we're off. Don't, don't, don't go and watch some, yeah, the cricketer. That's not me. That's not you. Lovely. So uh, wonderful. Thank you so much for gracing us with your time here on the old Good Listening To show. Pleasure. As this has been your moment in the sunshine of the Good Listening To show, this is a deliberate sort of, you'll enjoy this, a deliberate sort of coachy question. Um, is there anything else you'd like to say, Gary? Um, yeah, I thought about this actually a bit. So I, I think having researched a book and read loads of business books, and yeah, yeah, I shouldn't say this, should I? But you know, I'm not a business book reader, really. I'm not your natural. <laughs> but, um, I'm in that world now, yes. And um, you can't write a business book without referencing Gladwell's Outliers and the whole 10,000 hours to be brilliant or something. I've, I've thought about this a lot and I've met lots of people. And back to that point about sort of being inspired by people who just think differently and have different ideas. And uh, you know, you know, I'm sort of starting to think my next book should be you know, celebrating the tinker. You know, the, nice. the person who who tries and does loads of things. And I think, you know, we've sort of partly we all think that's a bad thing. And I, I'm starting to think it's a great thing. You know? I'd be very chuffed. <laughs> you don't, you don't have to be brilliant at anything. Yes. You at least try lots. <laughs> that speaks to me very beautifully. I, I'd be very chuffed if I can make it into the appendix somewhere. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful so uh thank you so much gary and thank you so much also for watching on linkedin too if you'd like to be on the show too just get in touch care of the website the good listening to show.com and there are a number of series strands that tell you exactly how you can go and do that so um, i'm just about to shut off on the old linkedin um can you anything else you'd like to say at this point no well as i always say just get outside and meet people boom that's the end of the show but listen out for a postscript where there's even more awesome no extra charge or welcome content. Goodbye. You've been listening to The Good Listening To Show here on UK Health Radio with me, Chris Grimes. Oh, it's my son. If you've enjoyed the show, then please do tune in next week to listen to more stories from The Clearing. If you'd like to connect with me on LinkedIn, then please do so. There's also a dedicated Facebook group for the show too. You can contact me about the programme, or if you'd be interested in experiencing some personal impact coaching with me, care of my Level Up Your Impact programme, that's chris at secondcurve.uk. On Twitter and Instagram, it's... At that Chris Grimes. So until next time, from me, Chris Grimes, from UK Health Radio, and from Stan... To your good health. And goodbye. So, uh, Gary Pratt, you've just been given a damn good listening to in this curated journey. Could I just get your immediate feedback on what that was like for you to be in this programme? Yes, it was fantastic, Chris. And I think your word curation is fantastic because I think there's a, there is a plethora of podcasts and probably like anyone who's like me has written a book or something, you sort of, you get invited to do a lot. And to be honest, I don't 
probably don't have much of a filter apart from am I available? <laughs> so like, oh, pe- people want to people listen to me. But, you know, I don't think I've done one where, you know, not ju- I don't mean just the, the sort of pre-structure, but the structure of it and the way you guide it just makes it absolutely feel like it's just a really lovely conversation, which I don't, I think is quite uncommon to be honest. So yeah, really lovely, lovely clearing to come into and, and chat. Wonderful. And um, that was a real pleasure for me too. reciprocity right back at you. And uh, in all sincerity, I really do want to come to the Mallorca trip that I know has been um, postponed. In fact, c- yeah. can we just do a quick thing for you about your other trip? Cause you're, you're doing something epic in the desert. I remember, and I forgot to ask you about that. Yes. Can I? Oh, I am recording. Sorry, I'm still doing so I can edit. So, um, yes, thank you for that lovely feedback. Um, do you want to talk about what you're doing across the desert? We'll yeah, well, it links back actually because the, the reason I'm doing that is Belinda Kirk, who wrote the book, the, you know, The Adventure to Revolution and the Explorers Connect, because um, she put me in contact with a, a man um, called Alan Crofts, who's a crazy serial desert explorer. Um, you know, once you get to know him and you sit around campfires having stories and he's, he's straight faced, you know, dry as anything, but talking about, you know, digging his own way out from under his Jeep that had collapsed on in the Simpson desert in Australia when he was on a solo trip for two days. And he's, you know, <laughs> near death experiences that are just matter of fact, Yeah, we have to do that, dug it out slowly by hand. So anyway, crazy desert explorer who, who wanted to do two things. One, he wanted to cross famed Nefa Desert, which is sort of in Saudi on the Jordanian border. Um, because it's in Lawrence of Arabia, it's called the Sun's Anvil. You know, you know, legend has it that the Bedouin won't cross it alone and in the day because it's too horrible. So shifting sand, stone, a horrible desert. But the reason it had come up again was because um, it's also been subject to a, a big archaeological survey called a, a Paleo Deserts Project and turned out that 200,000 years ago it was a temperate zone in one of the routes out of Africa um, and it's in Saudi, so the land of oil. So, you know, you've got climate change. So came together that he wanted, he said, well, I want to cross it, but why don't we do it in electric vehicles and not use any f- petrol in the land of petrol? Um, so that's the challenge. So, you know, crossing a desert in EVs. So we've got the challenge of, you know, EVs charging. We're so totally self-supported out there on our own for, you know, two and a half weeks. Um, there's no routes through it because it's shifting sand. So you're route finding the whole time. You know, how, going up how will you recharge? Because obviously there's, there's not many sockets around in the middle of the anvil, the devil's anvil. No, no so we have a lot of sun. Yeah. Yeah. So ah, okay, so they're going to be solar panel charging. Yeah, we've got sponsorship from a really advanced solar panel company that do these rollout arrays. Um, so the simple answer is solar, but we won't also be, we're not in a rush. So you know, there may be days where we, just have to recharge if you like yes yeah so, yeah we're not on we're not on a race we're on a you know will these vehicles do it and can you find a route through this desert and at the same time looking for these um features they're starting to find archaeologically so hence my sort of introduction so i'm now part of a team of six we're off in may got great support so far from some sponsors and from you know the, our british embassy and the royal geographical society we have the lovely Charlie Borman of um, Ewan McGregor and Charlie Borman yes, on the long way around, who's, yeah, yeah. You know, who's supporting us because we're supporting a charity called Action for Stammering Children. Who he had a stammer as a kid, so did Alan. Um, Michael Palin's the patron of stammering children. So it's all. Yeah. It's my first real expedition, but you know you have lots of moving parts that need to come together. But we we think we're almost there, so we should be off yes. there in May. And by the way, I can't it makes it say, sound lovely. It's actually, it's actually going to be horrible, as far as I can well, tell. Well, incredibly intrepid. And I, I think I did share <laughs> with you that that joke. I said that if you are going to go walking in the desert, you must be sure to take a spare car door with you, so you can wind the window <laughs> down when it gets hot. <laughs> and by the way, I couldn't help hearing you mentioned um, the sort of connection to the connection to the connection. When I first set out on this podcast, at the top of my tree is Sir Michael Palin. So the day I can talk to Michael Palin, we'll all know I've made it. Oh, okay. So, it could be that you could plant seeds in the desert. I've got other paths that I'm, he doesn't know I'm coming for him, but I am someday. <laughs> uh, well, we we're, we are suppo- well, potentially not confirmed, but I, he, he's supposedly going to be at our post-exhibition event with the ACS. So 
Oh, can I come? <laughs> See what I did there. I've got another friend who, a friend who wrote a um, um, a comedy book, um, won an award last year for her first novel, and um, so yeah, fiction much cleverer than my type of writing. Um, but you know, basically, there's a character in it which which is an angel who is Michael Palin, and it's totally oh. based on Michael. Palin. And she she acknowledges this, so her real hope is also to. <laughs> to me, yes, again, to play the part. <laughs> Dedicated yes. the whole character to him. <laughs> yes. So maybe I should talk to her to talk to him to talk to her to talk to him and talk to you and keep talking to you. Wonderful. Thank you so much. This has been a real delight. Thank you very much. Yeah. And uh, thank you also for watching on LinkedIn and uh, the awesome Gary Pratt. If you're not connected to him on LinkedIn already, you should be. So, and also thanks to Dave Stewart for doing that wonderful drop-in uh, testimonial. Yes, first time I ever, should, I I've ever done this. Um, I don't know what happened on screen for you. Did he appear on screen for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what yeah. that will look like on Yeah, yeah, he appeared as a little video on screen, yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, well, I shall drop Dave a note too. Yes. Big ups to both of you, and I'll see you very soon. And, yeah, keep me posted about Thanks. the other trip to Mallorca in the, in the autumn and count me in. <laughs> I will do. Take right. care, Chris. Thanks, Gary. I'll let you know when it all goes live in terms of publishing Brilliant. and stuff. Bye. Thanks for watching.